Welcome to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ through intentionally serving, giving, and caring for our neighbor. We bring you Christ-centered messages from our pastors each Sunday, as well as engaging discussions relevant to your life. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfortable, and join us as we strive to grow as followers of Christ and make a positive impact in our community. My name is Blake. I'm the adult ministries pastor here at LifePoint Church. I'm excited to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, we are in our season of fasting, and we are in our series, Hunger and Thirst. Pastor Nathan, a couple of weeks ago, uh, talked about what it means to fast, the importance, the power, the why we do it. Last week, Pastor Tim talked about hunger, our hunger for God. And this week, I'll be unpacking the term thirst, our thirst for God. But before we do that, we've got a few announcements today, Sunday, January 22nd. Uh, If it's your first time here, uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We hope that you felt uh, welcomed as you came in. If you had an opportunity, stop by the New Here, Start Here uh, booth and, and talk to somebody and receive our free gift. Wonderful. If not, after service, head there. We would love to talk and connect uh, with you. If you're joining us uh, at home and it's your first time, we're glad you're with us uh, this morning. Also, today at one o'clock, we have Starting Point. So those of you that aren't familiar with Starting Point, it's for uh, first-time guests. It's if you're new here. It's if you've never been to a Starting Point and you want to learn more about LifePoint Church, who we are, our team, our staff, and our pastors. We walk through our mission and our vision statement and what we believe, stick around after third service at one o'clock. We go through that and we feed you. So it's a good time. Second announcement says this, lots of things to register for in the LifePoint AZ app. So uh, very wordy, Uh, our vocabulary is uh, in depth, lots of things to register for. Um, which is true. Uh, we've got a lot of programs and activities uh, going on, studies, groups, uh, so much that would take me forever to go through. It's January. It's our time of planning and preparing and launching of our ministries. So if you don't have our app, it's the LifePoint AZ app that you can download. Check out what we've got going on. And we've got some tables in the lobby as well where you can stop and talk to people like Ryan. And last announcement, so this is our final week of fasting. We've been, uh, this has been our corporate fast for two weeks now. Uh, I hope that you're participating uh, with us. So in this final week, uh, the sanctuary is open on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 4, so you can come in here, you can spend time uh, with God, you can worship, you can be in prayer. And then this Thursday... Uh, At 11 o'clock, we will actually have uh, worship, a casual worship where uh, our team, Pastor Joe, um, uh, will be singing. We can come in here and we can worship our God together. So this is our final week of fasting. All right, let's jump into it. Sound good? Okay. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for this time and opportunity. May your word come alive this morning. May you speak to us. God, may we hear, may we listen. God, and when we leave here, may there be action. God, convict us into action. Whatever it is that you have for us, may your will be done. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so we are on Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Now, this passage is often presented and expanded on in the terms of, of Hades or, or hell. Many pastors, speakers, and teachers um, preach on, on hell when it comes to this parable, and, and rightfully so. We could spend hours on this message. It is, it's, a, it's, it's a scary message that can uh, convict us in that sense. But as I was reading through it, I saw something else out of this parable, and that was relationship and desire. Our relationship and desire. And that's what I want to speak to, so let's jump right into it. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. The rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. This surprise judgment upon the rich man, also known as Dives, Latin for a rich man is dives. This surprise judgment has shocked him. And when he sees Abraham and he sees Lazarus, he calls out for a drink of water. So desperate he would take a drop off of the finger of a man. He knows where he's been. The rich man knows where Lazarus sat, right? And that he was diseased, that he was sick, that he had sores all over him, but he was in such agony, he's gone from king to the lowest, and all I want is a drop of water off the tip of Lazarus' finger. Billy Graham said this, he said, we have enmity against God. And here's what he meant for that. He said, our human mind isn't wired naturally for God. That our, our, our thoughts don't go to God in a natural way. But he went on to say that we all have a deep, deep, deep desire for God. But it's underneath. Desire for the world means enmity against God. 1 John 2 Verses 15 through 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. That sounds like the rich man, doesn't it? his mind, his thoughts. He was wired for the world. He had received the world, and he could receive it on a daily basis. So he was able to feast. But when that surprise judgment came, that deep, deep, deep desire came alive in the form of, I'll just take a drop 
of you, Father. I'll just take a drop of God. It's there. Verse 25, as we continue. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so that they won't also come to this place of torment. What matters to the rich man now? relationship he's not talking about his possessions he's not talking about food he's talking about relationship he cried out to Abraham what did he call Abraham he said father Abraham and Abraham responded with son now in this parable Jesus meant that you can equate the rich man with the Pharisees here So it means this, the Pharisees actually thought they were similar to Abraham. They thought Abraham did the same type of work that they did, that the Pharisees did. They believed Abraham uh, was a rich man. They believed Abraham acted in the same way that they did. But here's the difference. Abraham had a heart for, for God. The Pharisees had a heart for themselves. So the rich man here equates Abraham with his father, And that's why he's crying out. When you cry out to your dad, you expect not to be forsaken. You expect the next thing that you say or request to be granted. So here the rich man is crying out to Abraham and saying, Father, when I'm I'm about to say, please grant this request. And Abraham responds with son. The rich man also knew Lazarus. He called Lazarus by name. But what's interesting here is in this shock of judgment, the rich man still couldn't see Lazarus as as a son, as a child of God. Because his two requests of Lazarus were still in in the means of, of a servant, right? He said, Abraham, send Lazarus to give me a drop of of water and send Lazarus to my home to warn my brothers. The rich man quite yet wasn't repentful. He wasn't apologetic for not being there for Lazarus during his time here on, on earth. But it's happening. You, you can start to see the, the, the shift in, in desire. You can see immediately upon the judgment the relationship He's realized he's separated from God for eternity, and that's the scary part, and that's why a lot of speakers will preach on that part of it, the hell part of it. See, his pride in possessions while here on on earth was starting to shift to humility and the care for others. But guess what? It was too late. According to Abraham, according to this parable, it was too late. No matter how sound the plea, no matter how humble the plea from the rich man, hey, I care about others now. Go warn my brothers. It was still too late, and it wasn't granted. 
the current desire and the current relationship on earth with the rich man has shifted to completely something different. So how, how do we flip our desires that we have for the world today? And, and we have to admit, we have to be honest with ourselves, is, is we do have lavish desires as Americans. We, we do. We are, we are rich. How do we flip those desires of the world to desires for God? Well, we're in the season. Prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer will flip those desires. And I want to be open and transparent. I want to share about my fast. Because some of you might be participating in the fast this season. Some of you uh, may not be. Some of you, fasting might be a discipline of yours as a follower of Christ. Some of you may have never fasted uh, before, and you're thinking, well, What's the purpose? Why do I, does it mean salvation? That's an Old Testament thing. It's, you know, a lot of reasons why you don't fast. Well, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. I want to share about mine. Every year we do this as, as a church, so I always uh, prepare. I always seek God and say, God, what is the fast that you have for me? And we always start it uh, the, the uh, second Sunday in in January. Well, at the end of the year, as I was seeking the Lord, he said, I want your fast to be before the fast. I want it to be right after the turn of the new year. I thought that was a good thing, especially what I uh, was eating uh, over the holiday season. Why not? Let's just jump right into it. Well, as I got excited, you know, January 2nd, January 3rd, as I'm starting my fast, I'm, I'm asking God, God, what am I fasting for? And I'm a huge advocate of fasting. I've been fasting for seven or eight, nine years now. And I'm always fasting for something. Fasting for marriage or family or ministry or, or, or health or whatever it is. My, my, my kids, I'm always fasting for something. So I go to God and say, God, what am I fasting for? I'm ready. I'm excited. What do you have for me? He said, I want you to fast for me. I want you to fast for a relationship with me. And I quite didn't understand it at first. What do you mean, God? I, I, that, okay, you're scaring me now. I, I've got relationship with you, right? We're, we're good. So uh, let's do something here. What am I fasting for? He said, me. Fast for me. Fast for relationship with me. I said, okay, I got, I got you. I got you. So I began my fast, and, 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 he, and I said, God, am I praying about my wife, my kids, all these others? He said, no, no, spend time, be still, be quiet, spend time with me. I said, okay, I got you. The first one, I finally uh, sat still and, and shut my mouth there for a second. He started to talk to me, and he gave me a word, and the word he gave me was repentance. And I said, ah, okay, God, yep. I've heard that one. We've all heard the word repentance, right? Growing, if you grew up in the church, right? Repent for your sins. Come to the Lord. I know repentance. God, I understand I'm, I'm a, sinner. I come, I, a sinner. I come to you in, in repentance on a daily basis. So what are you talking about here? He said, go to your journal. Remember when I called you to journal? The same time I called you to fast? And I was never a person that, that wrote anything down or journaled, so I didn't understand it. 
Uh, when he called me to journal years ago, I sort of panicked, and I think I pulled this out last year when I talked about fasting. I panicked, and I got this ugly yellow notebook to journal my thoughts and my time with, with the Lord. But guess what? God doesn't care about the outside, right? He cares about what's on, on the inside. So I'm just writing and writing and writing. Sometimes I can't even read my own, my own writing, but I'm journaling. He said, go back, go back to your journal. Read through it, and you'll understand why I gave you the word repentance. I said, okay, I'm in. Start reading through it. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm in shock to see the last seven years of fasting and me writing the same thing year after year after year and still doing that same thing that I was fasting for, for God to get rid of, sometimes with exclamation points. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And yet, year over year, I just continued to do it. And I, man, that, that, that broke me. I said, okay, I'm not in true repentance God, show me more. And he did, and here's what it was, and, and it, it was my mountain, as I talked about David and Goliath and the things that are big in my life, and, and I have a desire for God. I have a thirst for God, and it's been with me for, for a long time. Do I thirst for more? Ab absolutely. But I've got a, a, a little problem, and some of you probably share it with me. Any, anybody in here, night owls? I don't like to stay up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I had this desire to wake up early with God at 5 a.m., spend time with him, be in prayer, be in the word. Anybody else have that desire? You want to wake up early before work, before and you want to spend time with God. You've probably all had that thought before. It's like, I want to wake up early and be with God. Sure enough, I did too for the last seven years. My alarm was set for 5 a.m. Well, I have this little problem of, when my wife says around 9, 9.30, hey, why don't you come to bed? I'll say, yeah, sure, be right there. And I'll stay up and watch TV. Usually it's ESPN or SportsCenter or something like that. I'll fall asleep on the couch. Who does that? Who falls asleep on the couch? Raise your hand. A bunch of liars. Yeah, y'all fall asleep. <laughs> Guys, yeah, you fall asleep on the couch. I'll wake up around midnight. And you know what? I should probably go to bed and, and uh, be with my wife. Nope. I'll eat a bowl of cereal. Or a bowl of ice cream, right? Who does that? All hands should go up. Yeah, late night bowl of ice cream, bowl of cereal. Um, go outside, hang out with the dogs, watch another show, fall asleep on the couch again. And then 3 a.m. would roll around and I would wake up and be like, you know what? Yeah, I, my wife asked me to come to bed. I should probably go to bed. So I go to bed, wake her up, get in. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for bed now. My alarm's set for 5. Guess what happens at 5? My alarm goes off. My wife wakes up again. She punches me. And I hit snooze, and I turn it off, and I sleep right through it, and I get up in time to go about the day. It doesn't seem real big, right? It doesn't seem like an issue. Just staying up late, watching TV, eating ice cream. It doesn't seem like I'm hurting anybody. But it was hurting my relationship with God. And that's the fast he called me into. And as I spent more days in the fast, he gave me another word. And the word he gave was abide. We've all heard that one, right? I abide in you, you and me. Abide is mentioned in the Bible a lot. Again, I said, God, just like repentance, I've heard that one. 
He's like, I want you to go deeper. Un un unpack it a little bit more. I said, okay. So I unpacked the word abide as much as possible, every way that I could. And it led me to a word, loiter. You guys ever heard that word before? Loiter? Loiter has a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? So what, I said, God, why do I have this word in front of me? Loiter. What do you think of when you hear the word loiter? Teens, right? Hanging out, skating, you know, doing whatever. They're too long. What happens in every single instance here on earth if you're loitering? What are you asked to do? Leave. You're asked to leave. Even inside the church. If you come to third service, after third service, 1.30, 2 o'clock, a little bit later, Pastor Mike is flipping the lights like, come on, get on out. Get on out. You're here a little bit too long. Time for you to leave. That's here in the church. But what did God show me? And I shared this with the team a couple weeks ago. He says, I want you to loiter with me and I will never ask you to leave. How beautiful is that? That never would have come to me if I wasn't intentional about prayer and fasting. And so the fast that he had for me during these three weeks is, guess what? Yeah, after 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., no ice cream, no cereal, no TV, no movies, no couch. I can't go anywhere near the couch. I go to bed. And guess what I've been doing every single morning for these two weeks now? Guess, guess when I've been waking up? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Easily. Easily. Spending time with the Lord for an hour and when I first went to God, he said, fast for me. You see that process there? You see how that works? That's the power of fasting. That's the importance of fasting. And guess what? That loitering with God sparked a thirst. Like, I desire that. I thought what was comfort was hanging out on the couch, watching TV, right, eating food. I thought that was good. I no longer have that desire. I don't want to do that. When this fast ends this week, I don't want to go back to that. I want to continue in this because I've received a peace and a comfort and a joy and a love that only God can provide. Let's continue verses 29 through 31. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, the rich man said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, Abraham told him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. His brothers are so far gone in the world that if Jesus walked right up to them, thumped them on the nose, if Lazarus walked right up to them, thumped them on the nose, they wouldn't even see it. They wouldn't even care. John 19, verses 28 through 30, Jesus talks about his thirst. He said, after this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine 
on a branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Why did Jesus say, I'm thirsty, and why did that have to be said for Scripture to be fulfilled? Well, while on the cross, the intensity of the cross is going to cause extreme dehydration. And the Apostle John links this statement to the fulfillment. And here's what Jesus was alluding to. He was alluding to the Psalms for the fulfillment of Scripture and the prophecy in Psalm 22, 15, which says, My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. In Psalm 69, 21, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar to drink. So Jesus, to fulfill Scripture, to fulfill the prophecy, needed to be thirsty, and he was thirsty. And Jesus said, I'm thirsty for two reasons, the physical and the spiritual. See, as, as a man, he was dehydrated. His mouth was dry. He could no longer speak. He could not utter another word. So to be able to utter his next words, it is finished, he had to have a drink. He was also spiritually ready to be in heaven with the Father, wasn't he? He was ready to give his last breath. He was ready to be seated next to God the Father. He had been thirsty and desiring for God his Father this entire time. How interesting is it, fully God, fully man. Fully man, he was thirsty. He wanted something to drink. Fully God, he desired to be in heaven. And now that he had that final drink, he was able to proclaim it. Jesus also said in John 4, 13 through 14, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. And he's talking about, and he's talking to people, the water from the well. Verse 14, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. On the cross, Jesus thirsted so that we might drink deeply and be satisfied perpetually. And that's why that statement was made. And that's why he equates it to thirst and water. In doing so, here's what we learn. We learn that our desire and hunger and thirst for God will never go away. So what does Jesus mean when he says you'll never be thirsty again if you drink from me, from the water of life? Because I want more. I, I'm, I'm thirsty for God, so is that a contradiction? What does he mean here? What he means is the thirst for God is the satisfaction. Do you understand that? Are you, are, you, are you with me? The thirst and desire for God is the filling up, the spring of life. It is the satisfaction. So both never go away. Your thirst will never go away, but you'll always be satisfied. How beautiful is that? God gives this last invitation 
in Revelation 22, 17. I think we've got that one maybe as well. It says this, Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let anyone who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life freely. That's his last invitation in Revelation. And we're all going to experience that surprise judgment one day, just like the rich man did. I want to read it again, Revelation twenty-two, seventeen. Both the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. If that doesn't convict you, if that doesn't hit home, then just like Abraham said to the rich man, he said, not even a man rising from the dead will convince you. If you don't want to receive that invitation, then you have to search your soul. You have to search your heart. Because it's an invitation, he says it clearly here. This is the invitation for you to always be thirsty, but at the same time, for your spirit to always be quenched. We're going to enter into a time of communion, and I want you to take this time of communion seriously. If you don't have the elements there, they're in the back and in the basket, please feel free to get up and grab the elements. But seriously contemplate during this time the situation with the rich man and Lazarus. Because there will be a time of passing. There will be a time of judgment. And at that time, you can't go back. When you leave your house for work in the morning, wherever you're going, if you forget something, you get to go back into your home and grab it. The rich man could not. We won't be able to. It'll be too late. So truly and genuinely, during this time of communion, reflect and ask this question. God, am I, hung am I hungry and thirsty for you? Do I hunger and thirst for you or all the things of the world between you and me? I know I opened with David and Goliath and I talked about these big things that are in front of us. But my big thing was couch, TV, and ice cream, right? It don't seem like really big things, but they were, right? Because they were between me and my father and preventing my thirst and hunger and desire for my God. That's what I want you to reflect on. And after communion, we'll have a time for you to come forward. If you do not thirst for the Father, come forward and speak it and spend time in prayer. Or maybe you are like me and you have a desire for God, but there's things in the way. You have that hunger, but you don't have that courage like David did. You don't have that boldness to take 
those next steps to be in relationship with him come forward and spend time in prayer and say I have that thirst but I don't have those next steps I need prayer for that come forward after communion as Jesus sat in the upper room with his disciples knowing he was going to the cross he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you Take this and eat in remembrance of me. Will you eat the bread with me? Before we drink from the cup, just continue to reflect. I want to ask the prayer partners to come forward after you drink from this cup be honest and true with yourself are you in repentance are you loitering with God do you have an actual desire for him Jesus took the cup said this is my blood poured out for you have a relationship with the Father forever. Will you drink with me? Let's pray. God, convict me right now. Convict this room right now. Father, that we're honest with ourselves. Do we relate to the rich man? Do we have desires of the world as big or small that they may be? God, or are we like Lazarus? Do we have a thirst for you that we would sit and take the scraps from your table? Do we have that thirst? Do we have that desire? If not, God, let's move us. Move us to come forward and receive prayer. God, you are almighty. All things through you are possible when we think things are impossible. God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. And we shout all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to the altar.